0: Do you know where Mr. Myers is? Myers? Yes, John Myers. Oh, Myers? Yes. No, no, Myers. Don't. He works for you, does he not, Mr. Hughes? He works for my company. It it may be, it may be funny to you that he isn't here. I didn't laugh, Senator. Somebody laughed back there. <laughs> well, he's in your employ. Do you think that Mr. Myers in business at the present time is more important than this committee hearing? Well, it's more important than my company, I can tell you. Who in your company will know the whereabouts of Mr. Myers at the present time? I don't know that, but you've had him here for unlimited questioning, and I've brought him back here twice from abroad. I don't see why I should do any more than that just to accommodate you so you can put him up here beside me on the stand and make a publicity show out of it. Well, is that the reason he is not here? No, that is not the reason, but I think it's the reason you want him back. Well, I have some questions that I want to ask you. Why didn't you ask him while he was here? I brought him here twice from abroad for you. Well, now, will you see that Mr. Mars comes in at the two o'clock session? What, today? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I will.
1: That was the voice of Howard Hughes, recorded in 1947 in a United States Senate chamber in Washington, D.C. It was in the course of a hearing by a special Senate committee into the affairs of Hughes and Transworld Airline, which he owned and operated at that time. The purpose of those hearings, uh, as historians have determined, was an attempt by certain groups within the Senate and outside to force Hughes to merge with another major company that was flying overseas at the time. Now the Johnny Meyer mentioned by uh, both these antagonists was a public relations man who had been hired by Hughes at the beginning of World War II. And uh, Meyer, in the course of his business for Hughes, had been entertaining various military figures, including Colonel Elliot Roosevelt, then an Air Force officer, Uh, and uh, all this was part of the effort to get military contracts. And as a part of the inquiry, Meyer's name came up and you heard what Mr. Hughes told the United States Senate. Now, we're going on from 1947 to the time this very year when Uh, Mr. Hughes gave a telephone interview from Nassau in the Bahamas to a group of newspaper men in uh, who were in California and on this uh, conference call they spoke to each other for almost three hours and during the course of this Mr. Hughes revealed himself perhaps more fully than at any time in his past. We have here some of the things that he said. Mr. Hughes, you have been confronted recently with one of the most amazing stories that anybody surely ever had to hear. The story from Clifford Irving that he had written your autobiography with your help and assistance and. You have denied this publicly. Uh, Let me ask you directly, do you know a man named Irving, and did you ever help him or anyone else with your autobiography? Spain at this time Mr. Hughes. In Spain? Yes sir. He
2: doesn't claim I came to Spain to see him does he?
1: No he claims you traveled around the western hemisphere with him over a period of several months late last year. Have you left the hotel there in the Bahamas in the last several months?
2: Well left the hotel. Yes sir. area there. Let's say I haven't left the Bahamas and I certainly haven't seen Mr. Irving.
1: Do you feel this situation with the Irvings is merely the gullibility of the publishing firm or is there something more serious here or is it merely that they were all out for a profit?
2: Well, I just have no way of judging that. I, I am so completely and utterly shocked that anything like this could happen. But believe me, I don't know how to characterize it or to, uh, uh, analyze it or diagnose it. I just haven't any idea. It is so fantastic and so utterly beyond the bounds of anyone's imagination that, uh, I, I simply uh, haven't any idea what, uh, Uh, Well, obviously, uh, the motive for Irving could be money, but uh, uh, certainly McGraw-Hill and uh, Time Life don't have to uh, uh, deal in uh, fake manuscripts or uh, uh, that sort of thing in order to survive. They surely have a, a business that operates at a higher plane than that and uh so i don't i just don't have any idea what
1: is behind this thing mr hughes we understand that something over eight hundred thousand dollars was paid out in advance on the book and supposedly some of that came to you
2: that's what i've been told and that's what we're trying to run down because uh that's the one thing that uh i don't understand here in other words uh, There's got to be a bank record somewhere of this transaction. And uh, Chester Davis will tell you that uh, I have been uh, very, very critical of him for not being able to uncover this, uh, the path of these funds because uh, they even claim to have my endorsement or my signature on a check and uh, yet they won't produce it. And... uh, I don't understand uh, how any such money as this could be passed through any normal channel without leaving a trail—a uh, mile wide and uh, bright pink or uh, some such color. In other words, if uh, if you knew the difficulties that people have in getting rid of stolen money or. Uh, 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 money illegally obtained, uh, uh, they can't find a place to put it usually and, uh, or a place to keep it without putting it in some bank or leaving some kind of a record. If they, uh, try to handle it, uh, uh, and keep it in the form of currency, then they run into trouble with the IRS. And, uh, I just don't understand, uh how any such sum of money as that which you describe could uh, have changed hands here without there being a record of it somewhere. And what I don't understand is why Time Lamp and McGraw-Hill, who are supposed to, to have a reputation uh, for uh, legitimacy and uh, integrity uh, to some degree, I don't understand why they won't cooperate with us in finding out uh, what has really happened here. Because uh, this money didn't come out of any of my bank accounts, and it didn't enter any of my bank accounts. So, uh, uh, and it wasn't given to any charity with my knowledge or direction. So what happened to the money? In other words, if they paid me this money, as uh, I understand they're claiming to have done, then where is it? Uh, I couldn't hide that amount of money without uh, running into all sorts of difficulty with the Treasury Department. And uh, I just uh, don't understand why the people involved in this affair won't be more cooperative with us in attempting to trace the path of these funds, which are supposed uh, to have passed I
1: guess, to me, not from me. Isn't that what they claim? Mr. Hughes, there's something else I think a great many people would like to know about. There have been some very absurd descriptions of your physical appearance. Uh, yeah, you mean the artist's conception? Yes, the artist's concept about the long fingernails. And uh, how some of us said that uh, how could he possibly sign a letter with his fingernails as long as that and uh, various other things. That...
2: The proof that I don't have
1: fingernails. <laughs> exactly.
2: You know, this is, this is very amusing, because the first time I read that uh, article about uh, the fingernails, I said, well, how in the hell can I write my name if I have fingernails? <laughs> uh, no, the thing that amused me was that you and I had the same reaction to it, that when I first uh, read the account and saw the uh, uh, artist's conception, Uh, The first uh, statement I made to Chester, or whichever one of my people it was uh, who brought this material to me, the first statement I made was, well, how in the hell could I sign the documents that I've been signing, and uh, uh, wouldn't I have gotten tangled up with these fingernails in trying to sign my name, because I had just uh, completed signing quite a number of uh, various uh, material uh correspondence and so forth and uh i'd written my name a number of times and uh it was, it's just amusing that you and i had the same reaction because i don't know why i would have put these damn things unless i could detach them while uh, signing my name
1: mr hughes you have your fingernails manicured and your hair groomed uh, just about as you have in the years past don't you
2: yes i Manicures, uh, I do it myself. I never have had manicures. I don't know. Maybe it uh, is an outgrowth of my childhood when they used to tease people about uh, having, uh, that is males, about having uh, manicures. Anyway, I never had them, ever. But uh, I've always kept my fingernails a reasonable length and. Uh, them with clippers, not with uh, scissors and nail file the way some people do. I use clippers because they don't uh, leave a rough uh, edge uh, afterward. Anyway, I take care of them the same way I always have, the same way I did when I went around the world, and uh, at times when you've seen me, and uh, uh, at the time of the flight of the flying boat, and every other occasion when I've come in contact with the press, uh, I. Uh, for my fingernails in the same precise manner that I always
1: have all my life. Please tell us the rest of the statistics about yourself at this time, uh, how much you weigh. We understand some, some people have said you weigh under 100 pounds, 94 in fact, and that you have a beard to your waist and long toenails and so on. Well,
2: the statistics are that I am 6 feet 3 and 3 quarters inches, which is what I've always been. To 64. And uh, as weight, uh, I would uh, guess uh, in the uh, 140 to 50 area. I am thin, I've always been thin. Uh, and uh, what was the other statistics?
1: The toenail, six to eight inches long.
2: This is uh, just inconceivable. If I had toenails eight inches long, I couldn't walk. <laughs> Well, long. I couldn't write my name. That was the one thing that, uh, that was the first means of disproving it that uh, came to my mind.
1: Do you have a beard? Uh, and how would you describe that?
2: I've worn a beard for, uh, well, good God. Uh, I've been wearing a beard for uh, long before it became the bad, uh, when I was living at Muirfield Road. You know how long ago that was.
1: And hair to the middle of your back. Of course, uh, I put it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Why in the world would anyone describe you this way?
2: As a malicious, in uh, a malicious effort to discredit me and uh, to uh, uphold these absurd uh, statements that are being made. Uh, uh, this is all obviously a part of a campaign to to uh, lend credence to this uh, fairy tale that these people are trying somehow to uh, support.
1: It's been printed that the testimony describing you this way came from Peter Mayhew, whose father, your former Nevada chief, is so bitterly contesting his discharge. There
2: is uh, a mild way of putting it. of murder uh, as a result of being discharged uh, I don't suppose any disgruntled employee uh, who was discharged has ever even come close to Mr. Mayhew's conduct uh, as far as the son is concerned he's never even seen me to my knowledge so I don't know how in the hell he could uh, make any statements about my appearance because uh, uh during all the time that I was in Las Vegas I never saw him
1: Mr. Hughes, it's been a mystery to many, many people uh, the way you live your life. Why do you live as you do? Why do you live the life of a recluse?
2: Uh, I've just got to live a somewhat modified uh, life in order not to be an oddity.
1: Hughes, there are a number of theories about why you have taken yourself out of the public view. And one of these is that you fear kidnapping. Another is that you are maneuvering constantly to avoid process servers and thus avoid lawsuits. And the third is that possibly you have some physical disability.
2: Well, that, of course, is not true. have no physical disability that would be apparent to anyone. What's uh, the other two?
1: Kidnapping and process maneuvering to avoid suits.
2: Well, I've often thought of uh, the potentiality of kidnapping uh, in view of some of the publicity about my alleged wealth. And I say alleged because uh, if uh, some of the people who uh, are uh, making claims against uh, don't uh, come to uh, some state of sanity uh heaven knows what i have left so uh, that's that's why i say alleged uh anyway
1: wait a minute let's get back on the track here what was uh, the last question the third one was the business of maneuvering to avoid process servers and lots of legislation uh
2: i won't deny one thing. I don't want to spend the rest of my life uh, sitting in some uh, courtroom being uh, harassed and interrogated by uh, a disgruntled, discharged employee. That I will frankly admit. And uh, uh, so, uh, if uh, if, uh, the serving of a process would mean endless hours of exposure to uh, harassment, interruption of what work I want to do before I die. Uh, I can certainly say I don't want it and I don't uh, relish it and uh, I would uh, certainly not welcome it or encourage it or make it easy.
1: So this has a real bearing on what you're going to do with the rest of your life, does it not?
2: I think, uh, I think this. Uh, depends to a great measure on what I'm able to do about the very things that we've been discussing. In other words, uh, the lawsuit with TWA, which has hounded uh, me for 11 years now, and uh, now this Mayhew affair, uh, and now we're talking about another one uh, the Time Life McGraw Hill. Uh, situation uh, it it seems to have the appearance that I'm going to spend the rest of my life in the courtroom I, I don't know uh, I don't know why people are given such broad latitude to uh, uh, influence the lives of others or to uh, interfere with them whatever you want to call it but uh that uh, seems to be our way of life and uh, so until I can get some of these uh, issues in which I am the uh, defendant so to speak, uh, until I get some of these issues put to rest I can't really make any definitive
1: plans. Thank you sir. Mr. Hughes we've heard all sorts of stories about your requiring special medication and this and that uh, because of your health. Uh, what is the real story of your personal health at this time?
2: Well, how the hell is anybody's health at 66 years of age? <laughs> uh, I certainly don't feel like uh, running around uh, uh, a track at uh, UCLA and trying to break a record, I can tell you that. Uh, but uh, my health is tolerable. That's... that's. Uh, Certain and probably
1: better than I deserve. It. Mr. Hughes, is it possible that you are considering at this time uh, returning to, the, to flying to, to piloting your own aircraft yourself again? Uh, this is, I know, is a bug that no aviator ever gets out of his blood. Uh, To piloting aircraft. Right.
2: Yeah, positively.
1: Uh, there's nothing in your physical condition that would prevent anything like that.
2: As a matter of fact, it would be the best thing in the world for me, and, uh, only contemplated it, but planned it definitely, and, uh, uh it will, I think, uh, be, uh, the best conceivable, uh, therapy for me, because, uh, well, it's just, uh, something that, uh, I like doing rather than something I don't like doing, and, uh... Uh, it's good for me in every way, so uh, I I definitely expect to
1: recommence a program of flying. I'd like to ask you also, in reference to your the uh, assistance and also the contributions you've made to various medical organizations uh, in Nevada and in Boston and elsewhere. Do you feel that this is one of the areas in which you can use your wealth and uh, uh, some of your special technical knowledge uh, for the general benefit of the country? Well, in
2: that I am most interested, and uh, eventually uh, that's where the bulk of my estate will go. In other words, uh, there's nothing that interests me more than medical research and uh,
1: legends that have grown up around you, uh, some of them repeatable, some not repeatable. One of the funniest is supposed to be about your predilection for wearing tennis shoes. Can you tell us how that one got started?
2: strategic material, some kind of uh, canvas or imitation leather. Exposure on the tennis court or any appearance in what were truly tennis shoes but the uh the uh tennis shoe story definitely derived from these gray green colored uh, i think that's what you'd call them mostly gray gray green yeah uh um non-strategic uh camp. Well, no, they weren't campus. They were uh, they were an imitation uh, uh, shoe leather. I'm, I'm certain they would not
1: rank as campus in the normal sense. Mr. Hughes, uh, while we're on sport, uh, there are a lot of stories about you and golf uh, back in the days when you were, I guess you were a scratch handicap at Riviera Country Club.
2: Right to there, I was never lower than two.
1: Well that's that's definitely excellent but the story goes that uh, at this time you went into Willie Hunter the pro at Riviera and said Willie do you think I could beat Bobby Jones in the National Amateur and Willie said no and you put your clubs down then and never played after that. Oh that's absurd
2: that's absurd. I had a game with Bobby really in Pebble Beach was very proud of the experience and uh One of my treasured uh, memories.
1: You remember how you did in that match with him?
2: Uh, Well, I didn't at any time uh, contest against him. In other words, uh, at no time was I on a level or... uh, uh, At no time did I play the kind of golf to uh, challenge Bobby Jones, that I assure you. But I did have a game in which he was a participant whether it was a foursome or a threesome, I don't remember, but uh, we did play Pebble Beach and he uh, was a part of the match and it was one of my treasured memories. This is is going way back though. Jesus, this is really
1: a long time ago. Mr. Hughes, this seems to have gone extremely well today and I think that a lot of people will have an idea of you as a person that uh, has not been this clear before, and uh, under the circumstances, I want to suggest to you that as soon as you feel possible, that you have a face-to-face interview with uh, the press group uh, once more, and hope that you can do this shortly. Well, this has been proposed to me by my people, and uh, I definitely expect to do it and to intend to do it. And could you say? Uh, Anything at all about your time schedule on your own plans to, uh, as you say, come out in the open again to a degree?
2: Well, no. I can't give you a precise time, but I will say that uh, I certainly uh, intend to do it as soon as I am able to and uh, can do so without... uh, uh, collateral disadvantages of some type. In other words, as soon as Davis and uh, some of my associates uh, tell me that uh, I can do these things, I am ready
1: and uh, waiting. When you do uh, come back into general circulation, Mr. Hughes, uh, uh, does it ever cross your mind that you'd like to uh, make some movies again?
2: I would like to. I I have always thought that... uh, in my years when I couldn't be quite as active as I was uh, at the time I flew around the world, I've always sort of thought that movies and motion pictures would be something I could do, even up uh, to my last day, so to speak. In other words, uh, it's not something that uh, requires a great uh, uh, Physical resources, physical
1: resources. It's not something that requires, uh, in other words, uh, great
2: youth or great strength. Jesus Christ asked the the made pictures until he was way, way uh, beyond my age. And uh, so uh, I have always thought that in the later years of my life, I would like very, very much to make some motion pictures that would be truly worthwhile. I mean, the ones I made before were entertaining. And I've seen some of them uh, in the light of what's showing on television now. Uh, Movies of the same uh, vintage, in other words. And they they stand up pretty well.
1: In these later years, uh, your Scarface and Hell's Angels have uh, come to be considered classics, really
2: still uh, don't look too damn bad alongside of the other pictures of that same period. I mean, I'm not claiming they're uh, competitive with uh, our latest uh, uh, scope and this uh, division and uh, uh, all the various new processes and so forth. Uh, I, I don't pretend that uh, what I did is competitive with today's Uh, artistic methods and the the materials and the the techniques that are available today are so far beyond anything I had that it would be absurd to say that you could look at uh, one of my pictures and compare them with today's output and uh, claim that they compare favorably, but they sure as well compare favorably with uh, pictures up there same uh, years or, or that were made in those years and, uh, I've noticed that on television though, the films showing on television have been pretty uh, pleased with the way mine have stood up <laughs> even though they didn't get Academy Award so I think uh, one, of, one of them got some kind of an award but uh, uh, in general my movies were not considered artistic If you look at them on television today
1: compared to uh, the ones that are playing and made in the same period, they uh, hold together pretty well. Good Mr. Hughes, so many people have been intrigued by the fact that you seem to do a lot of your business on the telephone. In fact, I, from what we hear, uh, 95% of it is by telephone. Uh, and you talk to people, you appear, direct them, from one end of a telephone line and they're at the other end, and uh, it it seems a little unusual, and would, I wonder if you'd tell us why and how you do this. Yes, uh, yes, I've always done my business over the phone, but uh,
2: uh, other than that fact, uh, <coughs> I certainly do. And I'll say something else. The world is moving toward uh, doing more of its business over the telephone rather than in person. I mean, uh, top business executives all over the world. Uh, Uh, Learning that they can make uh, 25, 26, 27 telephone calls in a day and transact, uh, uh, let's say, X amount of business in each one. And if they tried to see all those people personally with the traffic and all the rest of the uh, delays involved, uh, the figure instead of 26 and 7 would be uh, maybe uh, 6 or 7 in that region. In other words, uh, Uh, People have found that by doing business on the telephone, uh, they can do about four times as much in one day as they can do in person. Particularly if they live in New York or some uh, city that is a a beehive of activity from a traffic standpoint.
1: You have so much money invested in Las Vegas, Mr. Hughes, and now you have left there... A great many people are wondering what you're going to do about these investments. Uh, how do you see this uh, in uh, Nevada picture? Are you going to hold on to your hotels? Can you tell us something about this?
2: I'll tell you one thing. I have no intention of selling anything that involves any employment. In other words, I have no intention of selling any of the active businesses that you've just mentioned—the hotels or uh, the health club and. Uh, Reno or any of my uh, activities in Nevada uh, which uh, account for the huge employment I have in Nevada. I have no intention of selling any of those. Now as to whether I sell any of the unused real estate uh, that's something that will depend upon how I feel Nevada will treat me uh, when I return there and uh, what happens when this man
1: made you. Mr. Hughes Your troubles with Congress and with the Senate back in 1947 involved uh, your Spruce Goose, the big flying boat, and you completed it and flew it very briefly, and you've retained it all these years, and it's still there in the hangar. What are you going to do when the the lease runs out? What will you do with the boat? Oh, brother, I can't
2: answer that one today. I just uh, don't... (laughs) don't have an answer for that today. I'll tell you one thing, there's a lot that still can be learned from that airplane. And uh, I feel before anything is done with it that might be in the nature of uh, uh, destructive or damaging, uh, we should... uh, Utilize it to the fullest and uh, obtain all of the data that still can be obtained from it, which is uh, a great deal more than most people uh, realize.
1: Mr. Hughes, one final question. We all know that you are one of the wealthiest men in the world. Your wealth is estimated at two and a half billion dollars. And yet you seem to be having your troubles. We'd like to ask are you a happy man today
2: uh, I'm uh, I'm not <clears throat> not very happy I'll tell you that and uh, one of the primary reasons is because of some of the things we've been discussing here uh, tonight that is to say in other words the the impediment, impediments upon my freedom and uh, uh, activities imposed by all of this litigation and uh, these overhanging uh, threats of uh, various types, uh, this uh, threatened autobiography and so forth, all these matters are uh, very draining in uh, their effect upon me, and uh, so, uh, if you, uh, well, your question was, am I happy and uh, content? The answer is No.
1: And now, listener, listeners, we have come to the end of the interview with Mr. Hughes. You have heard his voice on two momentous occasions. The first one in the 1947 Brewster hearings, when his affairs were in crisis. And now once more, when they are at least in the public eye, uh, intensive inspection by the public at large. He talked from Paradise Island, Nassau in the Bahamas, and you have uh, an opportunity, a unique opportunity here to compare the, the the voice of Mr. Hughes, who was present in person in the first uh, instance, and this time when he spoke by telephonic interview You make the comparison and you decide for yourself that whether or not it was actually Howard Hughes on both occasions.